Geekville Radio. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with episode 335. This will be number 335 in your hymnals. We're going to talk the release of the Flash movie. Finally, after so much delays and controversies, we'll have a lot to talk about with that. And then we'll also dive into some Marvel stuff, because I've said for quite some time, the big thing I am waiting for for the MCU in this phase has been Secret Invasion. And I'll tell you why in our What is Secret Invasion segment, which will be the latter part of this show. But first, let's dive into The Flash. And since this is a review, I will give you the obligatory spoiler warning. Spoiler alerts! Spoiler alerts! Spoiler hull has been breached! Spoiler hull has been breached! Now, anybody who's been following this movie for any length of time knows that it's impossible to overestimate the amount of baggage that was attached to this film it's pretty amazing what had come out and it's not just Ezra Miller you know it's the the baggage that came with him and the the controversy and his legal issues that he's been going with I'm not really going to get into that here train and I have talked about that in past episodes if you go to geekvilleradio.com you can do a search for Ezra Miller's name and you'll find all the episodes that trainer myself did talking about that, so we'll leave that baggage to the side here. And we're just going to talk about the movie kind of in a vacuum and where it might be fitting into this new Gunniverse, whatever you want to call James Gunn's relaunch of the DC Extended Universe. But this movie had a ton of real-life drama, and DC films, quite frankly, have largely failed to see the success of the MCU counterparts, their their competition, so to speak. Really, the, this movie, I don't think, really had very much buzz until news finally broke that Michael Keaton was stepping back into the cowl as Batman. Of course, first time since 1992's Batman Returns. It even looked like they were kind of putting the movie on Keaton's shoulders because a lot of the early marketing, maybe not early marketing, but a lot of the trailers and clips that were shown did have Michael Keaton in it. So it almost seemed like this was going to be Batman and Superman, and oh, by the way, there's this Flash guy movie in it. Whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. Again, maybe it goes back to the, they didn't want to put too much on Ezra Miller because of his his issues. But that said, this movie, the Flash film, overall, it has a lot of stuff to like. Again, looking at it from a vacuum, Ezra Miller's performance as multiple versions of Barry Allen, I think, was very good. And I've said before that his take on Barry Allen is actually probably closer to how Barry is in the comics than Grant Gustin's TV version that's been in the Flareoverse. We'll get to Grant Gustin in a minute, but scenes of like Barry eating burritos while he's running at lightning speed and catching the falling babies and just the awkward nerdiness that Barry has that was pretty well on display. I mean, I I don't recall seeing Grant Gustin's flash like 
chow down on food during mid-action sequence. But Michael Keaton as Batman fits right in with the universe hopping time travel so well that sometimes it feels like he never left. Obviously, it's been 30 years, but I not once would have questioned Bruce Wayne's age in this movie. We all know, I think Michael Keaton turned 70 this year, I want to say. Ben Affleck's, what, mid to late 40s, I think. Whether Keaton has just aged that well or whether there were makeup or camera tricks or whatever, I had no trouble buying that this Batman was around the same age as the Ben Affleck incarnation. Also, it was really cool to see the old school gray and blue Batman suit in live action. I don't think that's been in any other live action Batman since the Adam West TV show or even the some of the specials that he did after that. So very happy with what they did with Batman. Batman's my third favorite superhero next to Captain America and, and uh, Superman. And we also got Michael Shannon back as General Zod. I was very happy with that. You really can't lock him in as being the main villain of the story, but he is the one that the heroes deal with most in the third act. If you're familiar with The Flash's history, especially a couple seasons with the TV show version, you can probably figure out who the real villain is. More on that later, just in case you wanted to sample this and still avoid some major spoilers. But this movie, much like the TV show did, took elements of the Flashpoint storyline, which is a comics event that DC published in 2011. We did a rundown on Flashpoint in our last episode of Geekville Radio, episode 334. And there will be a link to that in the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 335. But Trane and I did a rundown of that and the similarities between the TV show version, the animated adaption, and from what it looks like we're going to see in this movie. And really, we were pretty spot on with a lot of what we thought we were going to see. Now, all three of these adaptions of Flashpoint share the main plot of Barry Allen traveling back in time and preventing the murder of his mother. If you know anything about Flash's history, that's a huge thing there. But that single action triggered multiple changes and drastically affected the world he returned to. That kind of became a running gag in the in the show with Wells coming in and something had changed. He's like, Barry, what did you do? The feature film, I think, more faithfully adapts the premise than the TV version did. But I would still say the animated version, the Flashpoint Paradox, that one's still the closest to the original comic book story. It also seems from Barry's multiple attempts at time traveling and things getting so unraveled by the time it's done, the the last probably a good 10 minutes of the movie that in, in the climax is where you get a lot of those Easter egg moments where we get to see Christopher Reeve, Helen Slater. We even saw Nicolas Cage fighting a giant spider you know, for the Kevin Smith fans. We even got George Reeves, the, the 50s live action Superman. But one of the disappointments in all of these references was the lack of Grant Gustin's Flash. This is what I was hinting at earlier about we're going to get back to Grant Gustin and anything from the Arrowverse, really. I mean, sure, it's possible there might have been scheduling conflicts that made it impossible for them to film anything new, but they don't 
really need to film anything new. I'm, I'm presuming they digitally recreated Nicolas Cage from scratch to make his Superman. So I find it difficult to believe that they couldn't have done s- something similar with Grant Gustin or maybe just use a cut scene from the TV show. It doesn't have to be anything coherent with Superman and such. Just show Grant Gustin zipping around and doing a bunch of, you know, flash stuff for lack of a better term. But all of the time paradoxes and all of the massive amounts of realities that were created seems like not only is this going to be the on-screen reboot of the DC Universe, which we basically were told is going to be. We were told that this is going to lead into the reboot. But it really looked like Barry actually may be responsible for creating the Infinite Earths. I would not be surprised at all if a couple years down the road, or maybe even 10 years, because James Gunn has said he's got a 10-year plan now for the DC Universe. It would not surprise me at all. In fact, I can go out on a limb and say they're probably going to do it. I'll I'll say it. I think they'll do it. There's going to be some sort of big screen adaption of Crisis on Infinite Earths. They can get this stuff all over again. Heck, in a few years, they could probably make a Christopher Reeve so accurate it wouldn't. They could just animate him throughout the movie, much like they did for Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars Rogue One. So we know the Infinite Earths are out there. We know that the reboot is coming in. It will be interesting to see with the major questions that I have. It'll be interesting to see where this is going. Will Ezra Miller still be employed after this movie? My, my hunch is no. Obviously, I'm no lawyer. I'm no expert. But the dude's got a crap load of ba- baggage. And I hope for his sake he gets the help that he needs. Could we even have Barry Allen? In this reboot, they could recast Barry Allen. They could bring in somebody to play Wally West. There's all sorts of things that they can do. The biggest thing that I had, and if I missed this, definitely somebody drop me a line, geekvilleradio.com slash 335 or Seth at Radio or show at Radio. I don't think they actually revealed who actually killed Nora, Barry's mother. I don't think they actually showed who killed her. They They got his dad off the hook because of the newfound footage that was created due to Barry's actions. But I don't think they ever actually caught or even named the killer. Now, in the comics counterpart, of course, it was Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash. And if that was intentional, okay. I mean, it, it definitely leaves a plot point open because it's kind of hard to depict somebody's murder without actually showing you who's responsible for it. Now, as far as the main villain that I was hinting at earlier. You don't really see him until the final act of the movie when everything's going nuts and haywire and we're creating the Crisis on Infinite Earths. We find out the person that really is screwing things up is Barry. It's just a version of him that has been driven nuts and wildly frantic from all the stuff he's been trying to undo. It's really not unlike the Savitar in, what was it, like the the sixth, fifth or sixth season of the Grant Gustin TV show, where the evil version turned out to be another copy or another variant of Barry Allen. It's basically the same thing here. It was still Ezra Miller playing him. And the other kind of big twist at the end is we got George Clooney back. I'd, I'd heard that rumor forever. I had just assumed we were going to see him in some sort of flashback capacity, but no, it's 
it's very much made clear through the course of the movie that somehow Barry Allen's time travel is what changed Michael Keaton into Batman and it's what changed Ben Affleck's Batman into George Clooney's Batman because we see George Clooney at the end as Bruce Wayne driving the same exact car Ben Affleck was driving in the beginning of the movie. I don't think this means we're going to get more George Clooney. I was one of the few. I actually had no problem with Clooney as Batman, it seems. I mean, the Batman and Robin had so many problems with it that Clooney was like, the, the. I wouldn't even say it was one of the reasons it went wrong. There's just a whole bunch of other things. But that's something probably for a nostalgia trip to talk about because I've, I've wanted to do a nostalgia trip about past Batman movies forever. Batman Day is coming up. Can't guarantee it, but... I would like to do some nostalgia trip episodes on Batman stuff. Final grade for this, I would say a B minus. Like I said, it was good. I wouldn't call it great, but it, but it was good. And everybody's performance lived up to my expectations, if not exceeded them. And I, I was totally expecting the whole, uh, well, we tried to change this, but then something else went wrong. So we're going to go back again and change that and just wind up making things worse and worse and worse and now things got so crazy, there's no normal left. I think that's kind of the, the gist of the story, is that Barry screwed up so many things that all these realities exist, and that's going to be one of the premises for upcoming movies. But we are down to the last two films before James Gunn's rebooted DCU makes its formal debut. Hopefully there will be a better buzz about those movies and those projects than the mixed reception we got for The Flash. Like I said, I enjoyed this movie. I know it's not doing very well at the box office as far as expectations. I don't think it's even broken $100 million at the time I was this recording. But I also think that DC probably wasn't expecting a huge turnout for this movie. Maybe they did, but I don't recall anybody like waiting with bated breath for this Flash movie to come out. And we'll also see what Blue Beetle holds when it comes out in a couple months, so... I'm going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we are going to talk Marvel's Secret Invasion. This is Geekville Radio, and we will be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Frag. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of me. That's all at YouJustGotFrag.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Attention all Time Lords and Ladies, Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at geekgoradio.com. All right, we are back talking Secret Invasion. And I've said several times before, this is the MCU entry that I have been waiting for the most for a couple reasons. I believe it is considered the first of the Phase 5 movies and programs, but it's going to be hitting Disney Plus the next week, actually, as far as the at the time of this recording. And one of the reasons I'm anticipating it so much is because finally... 
after, what, about 15 years or so, Samuel Jackson is finally getting front and center as Nick Fury. So Nick is going to be the primary character in this story. And like a lot of stuff in the MCU, they are drawing from the comics for a lot of their source material. Now, the Secret Invasion in the comics, it was a universe-wide event back in, I think it was 2008, I want to say, just going by memory. And we'll go over that, and I'll give you my thoughts on what we're probably going to see in this series. Secret Invasion was the main Marvel-wide story in 2008. It was actually a follow-up to the storyline called Annihilation the previous year. And basically, in short, Annihilation took place almost entirely in space, whereas Secret Invasion was mainly set on Earth. And the reason why it's a follow-up is because the Skrulls had their society destroyed in Annihilation, and so they came to Earth to take over Earth. They felt that they were justified in occupying Earth because they no longer had a home planet. Now, this does parallel a bit what's been happening in the movies, as we saw in Captain Marvel. Nick and Captain Marvel promised to help the Skrulls find a new homeworld. Now, for anybody who has read Marvel for any period of time, especially Secret Invasion, they'd know that the Skrulls are the bad guys. How can you not be the bad guys when you're trying to take over an entire planet? But they've pretty much been bad guys since the beginning, and the, the Kree really weren't that much better. They, they was like evil versus evil, but the way the Skrulls were presented in Captain Marvel back in 2018, they were portrayed in a sympathetic light. And even back then, I thought that was going to be by design because sooner or later, the Skrulls were going to show their true meaning, become bad guys, and boom, you got a storyline there. The main villain of Secret Invasion was a Skrull by the name of Queen Varanki. I may be pronouncing that wrong. I really only saw it in writing, of course. And that is, I believe, I, if I recall correctly, that is the part Amelia Clark will play. We did actually see Amelia Clark's character as a baby in the first Captain Marvel. In the comics, she posed as Spider-Woman. The Skrulls had captured Spider-Woman, and she assumed her identity. And as Spider-Woman, she actually joined up with the Avengers and was essentially one of the moles there. The way the invasion worked is the Skrulls became not really all the good guys or anything like that, but they had one mole, one scroll in disguise in each of the major hero groups of Marvel. Specifically, they had captured Hank Pym, Captain Marvel, although there's a twist with that, Black Bolt, and Jarvis. I don't think we're going to see any of those characters in this, but those were the key scrolls in the storyline. There were a lot of other scroll imposters that disguised as other heroes, but those were temporary things. They weren't ongoing like the previous five there. So, of course, this means the heroes suddenly realize that Earth is being forcefully colonized by Skrulls who are taking over as key leaders and allowing it to happen. And the way the good guys won is Reed Richards developed what could best be called a Skrull sensor. So he'd be able to tell who were Skrulls and who weren't. And that's how they were able to track down and catch the actual bad guys. I believe Ranke was also killed in this, but it was by Norman Osborn. Because this is one of the things that led to the Dark Avengers, if I recall correctly. As usual, I'm open to correction. But Norman Osborn, who is always a bad guy at heart, 
he's one of those guys, you know, he might have the popular exterior, but in the end, he's evil and he's out for himself. S.H.I.E.L.D. gets disbanded and is replaced with a unit called Hammer. And Norman Osborn was given control of, of that. I think that's really what Saber is supposed to be in the MCU. It's essentially a, the MCU version of Hammer. Now, how this will carry over into TV is we were specifically shown long ago that the real Nick Fury has been in space while Talos on Earth posed as him. That could be interesting because if Talos really is a villain at heart, he could be making decisions as Nick Fury because he's fooled everybody and the real Nick Fury is out in deep space. I do think we'll get some interesting cameos of past heroes. I'm not saying we'll necessarily get like a Robert Downey Jr. cameo or Hugh Jackman or anything on that level, but I think we will get a couple of characters that we've seen before that will be exposed as Skrulls. As much as I would love to see any of those characters, like even if it is an imposter, it would always always be cool to see RDJ or Hugh Jackman or whoever, even if it's only for a few minutes. But like I said, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think one of the key players in this is going to be James Rhodes, because I believe he will be one of the main scroll imposters. And the reason I say that is because we know Armor Wars is coming up. It's going to be another Phase 5 movie, and that will have Rhodey front and center as Iron Man. Now, Armor Wars in the comic, I'm not going to spend too long on this because we're talking about Secret Invasion, of course, but in the comic... Somebody impersonated Tony Stark to get access to Stark's technology, hence the name Armor Wars. People were able to make their versions of Iron Man armor with Stark technology. So I think that's going to be the connection. Obviously, since Tony Stark is dead in the MCU, Rhodey was his best friend. He'd be the guy that Stark would trust the most. So this Rhodey's a scroll, takes advantage of that. Boom. The technology gets out there, and all of a sudden, we're going to be dealing with a lot of armor-wearing bad guys. So that's probably the prediction I think is most likely going to come true. Now, granted, last time I made predictions, it was for Mandalorian, and I was expecting it to be an homage to The Magnificent Seven, and that didn't happen. So if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to cry about it. I just will be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. I'll be right again in the future sometimes. I'll be wrong again in the future sometimes. I just hope the story is good. I hope it lives up to expectations. So in summary, we're going to see a lot of scrolls posing as key characters on Earth. We've even seen in the trailers that cars with government plates, like pretending to the White House, the, the, the President of the United States himself, those are attacked. Now, we'll see if the people in the car, maybe the President of the United States is a scroll. That certainly would make sense, given that it's an invasion. Or Maybe the president's a good guy and the scrolls try to take him out. We'll see. Like I said, we only have about a week left to go, and I will be doing my regular reviews like I have been for Mandalorian. So that's going to wrap up this edition of Geekville Radio. Thank you, folks, for listening again. Uh, if you're hearing us for the first time, welcome. You can find us at Geekville Radio. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We're on pretty much all the podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're, we are theirs. You can just do a search for Geekville Radio and you'll find all of the shows in the Geekville Radio family. This is the flagship show, which lately I've been flying solo on. 
Other shows we have include Nostalgia Trip, where my co-host Crazy Train and I talk pop cultures of the past. We have our Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, where Train and I induct these characters that might not have the recognition that they deserve. And it's not just characters. It's open to real people, movies, things like that. One of the things that made me realize that I had a good show with the Lesson on Geek Hall of Fame is a few years back, I attended the Batman 80th anniversary at, I believe it was C2E2 or Chicago Comic-Con, but they had several creators and writers up on stage to talk about Batman. And I smiled a little bit inside when all of these creators more or less agreed that three of the biggest influences on Batman were the Shadow, the Phantom, and Green Hornet. Well, guess what three out of the first four shows we did for Lesson Geek Hall of Fame were about? The Shadow, the Phantom, and Green Hornet. And even back then, I was saying these are characters that probably inspired Batman. That's what we do for Lesson Geek Hall of Fame is we don't really talk about the super well-known characters. We don't really talk about Batman or Superman or Spider-Man and all those other characters. We talk about the characters and the stories that may have inspired these top legendary characters. And I think that's the type of show you're not going to get anywhere else. That's a lesson on Geek Hall of Fame. Trey and I also have a show for the wrestling world called Classic Wrestling Memories, where we talk about old school pro wrestling, basically the year 2000 and before. And we have Examining the Doctor, where myself and Mark Short, who you may have seen in episodes of Collector's Call, we talk about Doctor Who. We usually do episode commentaries, where it's a little bit of information and history and commentary. It's a little bit Mr. Science Theater, too, because we do riff as well. So it's almost you know, a little bit like a riff tracks in that regard. But that can be found at Examining the Doctor. If you want to know more, like I said, geekvilleradio.com. You can find me at Seth at geekvilleradio.com or show at geekvilleradio.com. Follow us on the social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just follow us there. That's where you can keep up to date with shows when they come out. So I'm going to power down the studio here in the Geekville Radio Studios. Probably be doing a review of the first episode of Secret Invasion. And if any news hits between now and then, I'll cover that as well. So thank you folks for listening. We'll talk again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville, and the host of Geekville Radio, and I'm happy to announce the latest addition to the Geekville Radio podcast channels. We do have Geekville Radio, which covers all aspects of geekery, TVs, movies, superheroes, science fiction, you name it. We have Examining the Doctor, which is our Doctor Who-themed podcast, and we have Examining the Dead, which is our horror-themed podcast. Well, the latest addition to those Geekville Radio channels is called the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. And I know some people may say that Lesser Known and Hall of Fame may be an oxymoron, and that is 
quite frankly true. But here at Geekful Radio, we like to pay tribute to some of the lesser-known characters out there. We're not going to talk much about Superman or Spider-Man or Wonder Woman or any of the other A-listers. We're going to talk about characters that might not be the first names that roll off your tongue when it comes to characters, both heroes and villains, but characters who the story of heroes and villains might not be complete without. And fortunately, I don't have to do it alone. Joining me on this journey, and we will have other guests along the way, my usual co-host for Geekful Radio, from a soft padded cell in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, we're going to go back in the annals of history and pull out some of those lesser-known geek heroes and villains. Some of the people you might not have heard of or only know a little bit about, some that are near and dear to our heart, and some that we don't know that much, so we're going to enjoy just doing the research ourselves. Dropping soon, we're going to start with our inaugural podcast on one of my all-time favorite characters, The Shadow. That's the kind of things you'll be looking at on the lesser-known Geek Hall of Fame. Once again, that is the lesser-known Geek Hall of Fame, the latest channel at Geekville Radio, available at geekvilleradio.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the podcasting device of your choice. 